You're listening to Fireside Chat Fridays here on Straight Independent Radio. We're sponsored by Parents for Public Schools of Syracuse. We discuss all things about education here in the city of Syracuse, New York. Your host is the Idea Dynamo, Samantha Pierce, and our guests today are Joshua Michael King, candidate for the school board of the Syracuse City School District, and Rain Fitzgerald, a foster care home finder here in central New York. You join this episode with the conversation already in progress. Special education or behavioral need. So, and every time a child is moved, when they're removed from their home to any type of move that's made within the foster care system, on average, they lose a year's worth of learning. Wow. Wow. Unacceptable numbers. Um, I even think just basic trauma that any human would have. For instance, um, I'm close to my heart is um, having a house fire. That kind of, when you get into your fight or fight reactions, you're not worried about learning. You're worried about your basic survival needs. Who, where am I going? Am I going to live with a stranger? Thankfully, so many foster grandparents, foster brothers, and foster and uncles under the kinship have stepped forward so that children have not lost their communities from that way. And I really want to give props to our kinship foster families. I also do want to give props to the Syracuse City School District. One of the things that they've done for us is allowed for children to stay in their school of origin. So if a child started out with a school on the south side and their foster family was on the north side, um, the city has done wonders for us to keep those kids in their school of origin to not traumatize them further. One of the things that we have to address is how do we meet the mental health needs of these children that are so arrested in what's happening around them? Imagine they're losing everything. You know, they do, we, we think foster care, okay, they lost mom and dad. Some of these kids have lost contact with brothers and sisters, aunts, uncles, the family dog, the neighborhood, their community. The only thing that they do have left and what is familiar to them is their school. So it's so important that we keep this consistency, but recognize this trauma that is happening. And for a child that has more advanced behaviors. We say behaviors are a expression of a need. And obviously if you've lost everything, you have multiple needs. Those children tend to also have multiple placements within the foster care system. So they're so arrested in what's happening from day to day that you know learning is just become overwhelming. And in this current I'm not going to use the unprecedented times. I hate that phrase. Um, but what mm-hmm. what through in the last year has even traumatized, you know, kids even more so. They're not even able to go to school, some of them, and to see the friends on their on a day-to-day basis. I love that you men- mentioned mental health because that's that plays a big part in education. When mental health is not well managed it's difficult to learn. And that you said, when you're stressed out, that impacts your mental health and it makes it very difficult to learn. Josh, I have a question for you because you were in Syracuse City School District classrooms. Yeah. 
how were, how were you seeing trauma affecting your students and families that you work with? You know, I've, I've been very blessed, honestly, um, in, in my short career as an educator. Um, let me just back us up and put it into a little bit of context, if, if you will indulge me for a second. I came to Syracuse City School District after being appointed by Mayor Ben Walsh to his education transition team, which essentially, essentially put me in the same room with uh, some of our area's top educators. Uh, whether we're talking about administrators, community educators like myself, um, as well as folks like Rain found themselves in this room. Very difficult work and conversations were had in this room. Um, some very uh, strong recommendations were made from the individuals, including myself. Um, I think it's rather clear about where I stand on education and, and the acknowledgement that we need to redefine the future of education more than reimagine anything. And, and so I've had the opportunity of working in almost every school building we have, 39 buildings uh, and different programs. And, and what I have seen is an entire school district of traumatized children. Uh, traumatized faculty, traumatized administrators. We are being repeatedly traumatized by the traumas of other people um, that are amongst us. So you see a kid in a classroom, one kid might have come out of a very traumatic experience and that becomes traumatic for the other children in the classroom because of the way in which we look at diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we will essentially in a lot of ways throw children mix them all up in the same classroom and call that inclusion. Uh, when in fact, it, it essentially becomes exclusive and, and students who require other supports or other services are effectively denied those things because we only acknowledge the students that get IEPs. We only are recognizing the constructs of, of the 504 plan. And, and so when you put all of that into context, I'm a firm believer in options and opportunities and that we need to create it is our duty, our responsibility as educators to create as many options and opportunities and learning as we can. And all students deserve an individualized education plan, not just the ones who have parents like the pair of you um, or advocates like the pair of you. Uh, part of what we do here at the Academy of Excellence Incorporated, we, we do three things. We address policy, programming, and production. The policy aspect is really what we, we have been focusing on so much here because there are so many ways that we are missing the mark. When we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's misordered and it's misprioritized. We at the Academy of Excellence Incorporated are working on trademarking what we call RIDE. So take a ride with me for a second. Representation comes first. We have, cannot continue to have conversations about people with IEPs without those people in the room. And not yes. only just having them in the room, the representation part present is most important. Mm -hmm. Present not only in the room, but present at the table, making the decisions for themselves. Whether we're talking about the students or we're talking about their families or we're talking about the faculty, we are hugely underrepresented when it comes to the decision-making process. And we have people who are who are very minutely impacted by the decisions that they're making. So ideally, we are not addressing the right thing, which is representation first. When we're going on this ride, we're talking about inclusion, but we're not talking about mixing up a whole bunch of dissimilar students and sticking them in the same room and calling that inclusion. 
we in fact use a lowercase i because I'm no more important than you and I don't capitalize you and I'm not going to capitalize on you. So representation is paramount, then comes inclusion. And inclusion looks like a lot of things. Sometimes inclusion might seem like segregation, but in the same breath, none of the students are getting what they need because we are, again, misprioritizing and mis misordering this. Once we've gotten through representation and inclusion, then we can start talking about diversity. And diversity is more than just having a chief diversity officer, okay? Diversity comes in all <laughs> kinds of forms. It comes in all kinds of, of, of skills, experiences, disabilities, abilities, black, white, gay, straight. We are not looking at diversity as a whole. We are looking at it on the surface. My black is not the same as Samantha's black or the black beneath me. In, in, in that reign, being a white woman with a black child, you know, all of our diversity comes in the form of superficial. We're not digging far enough when we're talking about diversity. And then lastly, once we've gone through representation and inclusion and diversity, then we can entertain the discussion about equity. Those things are important. That order is important. So if you want to come take a ride, check out the Academy of Excellence Incorporated because that's essentially what one of the many things that we do here to create an immediate impact, engage, educate, and empower this community more than just showing up. We're doing way more than just showing up. We are change makers. And that is essentially uh, what my whole mission is in life and my purpose here um, at the Academy of Excellence Incorporated dealing with dealing with the results of the gaps, right? Dealing with the residuals of what happens when we don't have the proper supports and resources. Before we go any further, I just want to be transparent and, and acknowledge that I am a part, also a part of the Academy of Excellence and I'm the chief operations officer. And some of the things that Josh was talking about, I helped create those. So, Thank you, yes. So just so just so we're clear, being transparent, you know, I, I had a hand in some of that. Now, Rain, I want to I want to touch base with you and about how you are seeing the trauma impacting the kids that you work with and also your thoughts on what Josh just shared. So I did definitely want to back up to the very first few things that Josh was saying. It is refreshing to hear him say he has a leader's heart and a servant's heart. Because though you don't want to be in politics, that is what we need from every person that is running for office. A hundred percent. I yeah. feel like following your I believe I've known you, known you well for two years and then known of you for an additional three. You have most certainly walked the walk. When you were in teaching in the school district, and I, I don't want to get into particular schools, I saw you personally make a safe space where children could unload the loads on their shoulders and come in and have a space where they could be themselves. 100%. And that was huge. And I did see where you saw things that were unfair and you were able to directly advocate for that student 
but in turn for that parent. Absolutely. You created justice. And from the moment those situations were happening that I was able to have the outskirts in, I said, this is the person who needs to be a leader in Syracuse but especially in education, because you've taken the time, I've seen you educate even your own brothers who you've taken care of to a way that they represent not only excellence in learning, but also black excellence. You embody that. And I think that Syracuse as a whole needs that. Mm. Think our children, which we, in just as the same way, and I hate to make those comparisons, just in the same way as we have a disproportionate number of people of color in prison, we have a disproportionate people of number of color in foster care. Wow. Can you they, actually speak to that a little more? What What do you mean when you're saying you have a disproportionate number of people of color in foster care? What does that mean? So it doesn't reflect what the numbers are in the community. I don't know the exact population number of African-American and um, Hispanic children, but in foster care, we're looking at numbers of 54% in Onondaga County of the children represented in foster care being African-American. Wow. And they're not 54% of the population. Wow. You know, I'm saying this because I look like most of the teachers in the school district. I'm just what a couple of the kids in our um, group home setting when I worked for Toomey Residential, they used to call us the peoples. We had a young (laughs) gentleman and I love him to death. um, And he's very successful now. He went on to college. He was and said, you're one of the peoples. Mm. I was like, the, the people who like, but what he meant was part of the system that is represented for people look like me. And I'm the people mover. I'm the, the teacher. I am the, the police officer. I am all of these things that these children see from day to day that don't represent them. Wow. So do you and feel like when that I dream- look you know, a child of color may not want to unload on me. They don't know my background, but assuming when I walk in the door that I'm a people's, they're not going to unload their trauma. They're not even going to, if they don't have maybe even um, a foster parent that shares that same color as them, they may not, they come with a whole different need, even forgive me in their hair care. And I witnessed that a lot when I, and I, I will pull a foster parent aside and, and recommend a product or recommend a community center to to have these children, they're already adversely affected by everything else, Mm. have that in their classroom. But then when you were talking about a commission, who is somebody who has worked in the school district as a teacher, but as a white person who isn't on that level, and I apologize, but like I can say white people, right? Because I'm white. Parents for public schools, are you okay with that? I I, I think we're okay with acknowledging people's Um, race and ethnicity. But who am I to speak for? I would like that that much representation. We need that representation in the higher-ups. Don't need to just represent our teachers. We need to represent who are we serving? Are we serving 
teachers? Are we serving the children and the parents? Wow. You know, that's an important thing that you just said. I, I, I want to circle back to something that, that um, you know, I didn't really get a chance to, to fully unpack during, during my short stint, uh, <laughs> my short candidacy. Um, but only three cents of our dollars in this school district are spent on actually educating our students. So 97% of the money that we bring into the district is spent on on staff or is spent on the actual buildings and, and, and operations, right? We're, we're not even coming close to being able to, to meet our financial needs. And when you couple that with what you're talking about, which is representation, we need to ensure that representation is happening at the highest level all the way down uh, in, into the immediate and direct, right? It, it matters quite a bit. I, 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 I applaud the people who say that color doesn't matter, but it does. Um, and, and part of what we need to get a, to shy away from is this need to uh, sugarcoat all of these things or ask permission. Can, can we, can, is it okay if I say that? Of course it is because we all, that is one of the first things we all notice about one another is our physical differences. And part of what we have to do is, is in order to find the similarities in the differences, we have to embrace that there is a difference. We have to acknowledge that my black and Samantha's black is different, right? And that while you understand both of our Blacks and the Blacks of, uh, of your husband and, and your child, it's not the same. And we all are coming from different, different spots. Our similarity is what? The Black part. But the difference is, is, is what does that mean for me versus what does that mean for you and Samantha or the next person or the 21,000 students in this school district? It matters. And that's why representation matters. And that's why I put that first. Before I comment a bit on the representation, I do want to remind everyone that you are watching Fireside Chat Fridays, sponsored by Parents for Public Schools of Syracuse. And those of you who are watching us live, please feel free to put questions or comments so that we can address those for you. To representation, and I think we've talked, you and I have talked about this before, Josh, representation isn't about just, you know, the, the skin deep stuff. Representation is about having people who have similar lived experiences in a position to make decisions about people's lives. And, and yeah. that's particularly important when you're thinking about education in terms of being able to connect with students. Yeah. Teachers who have a similar lived experience to their students are going to have an easier time connecting with their students. Not saying that it can't be done for someone who has a different life experience, lived experience, it just will take a bit more work. Mm -hmm. So that's why repre representation is important. It's an opportunity for all of us to teach each other and bring us closer together. Because a, a teacher who has a lived experience that is similar to their students can help another teacher whose lived experience is not similar to their students get closer with their students, which again is why representation is important. Oh, you were gonna say, Rain? Oh, no, I was, I'm, I'm just completely in, I'm glad to be able to be having this conversation. 
I'm yeah. glad that, that you're glad it, it's overdue, yes. right? It, it is these kinds of conversations that have been missing from the forefront, which is what's helped us to arrive in a place where as a, as a parent, I'm concerned, right? I'm concerned about the future of education for my own kids. As a staff person, I'm disturbed by the way in which the system, not the school district, the system, right? The concerns that I have are systemic concerns. These yeah. are, these are the, as I said, what we deal with here face-to-face, -face, whether we're talking about Josh King as a staff person or Josh King as a parent of two teenage boys who attend, you know, one of the programs in this school district, one of the struggling programs in this school district, I'm looking at this through multiple lenses and I'm recognizing that none of the conversations that we're having and need to have are being had. And oftentimes when we put it to the transparency, when we put it to uh, doing the right thing, right, or, or saying the right thing, sometimes the right thing doesn't always sound right or feel right or come from the right person. But in the grand scheme of things, I'm just a messenger. As is Samantha and, and you, Rain, and, and everyone else, you know, the message that I convey is, is vitally important to the future of education, not just here in Syracuse, but across our country. I cannot begin to, to express how important this particular race is for commissioner of education, for, for, for a county legislator. For, for for Syracuse Common Council, for the for the mayor. These races in the 2021 election will 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 literally be what dictates the next hundred years in this city. We are only now arriving at a place where where somebody such as myself can even even come to the table, much less sit down. So, so we believe that as a, in our social hierarchy, our, our, our issues are systemic. Socially, we have a lot more power and a lot more opportunity than I think that most people really are aware of. And that's why my mission is to engage, educate, and empower. It would, my goal is never to win that seat or win a race. Um, I find a lot of that kind of discussion a bit pretentious. At the end of the day, my goal is now and has always been to engage, educate, and empower. It is paramount that our community soak in what it is that we're putting forth, whether we're talking about Samantha's, you know, organization, Parents for Public Schools, or we're talking about neurodiversity consultants, or we're, we're talking about the Academy of Excellence Incorporated, it is paramount that we invest our time and our talents into organizations that are doing the work that everybody else is just talking about. And, and I, I, if I can just bring ahead, back right. on that, we cannot solve mental health issues that are sorely like this year showed us how badly we're suffering. We yes. cannot fix that with a wellness Wednesday. We cannot fight the injustice and inequality that we're having in our education with a diversity uh, a round table. And I'm not saying that those things aren't good. Correct. Band-aids on a whole. Correct. You I'm, I'm really, truly, you know, paying homage to what your school has done. I'm, I was able to visit and I'm so impressed because you are looking from the ground up and saying, how can we fix this? Not yeah. putting 
mandate on it because un Sarah, the city of Syracuse cannot afford to have band-aids on their bullet holes. Mm. They, we have a lot of bullet holes and wounds that have gone on for five, 10, 15, 20 years. I, I get sad when I get, so one of my jobs is to recruit and train and certify foster parents. And some of the things that I hear is, but but I live in Liverpool, so the poor children don't have to go to city schools. Breaks. City, they they truly there's something that has to be fixed, but we are not so far broken that we cannot put kids into um, get them ready for college, get them ready to have real careers, mm. and not be a um something to look down at that you graduated from the Syracuse City School District. Mm -hmm. I'm super proud. I went to Nottingham, I went to Central Tech, I was at Levy and HW Smith. I was an East Sider. Hey, um, East Side. <laughs> but I'm super proud that I can say that, that I was a bull. Right. And I wish that I had, and I do hope that my children, um, Kareem is about to graduate, but I hope that Brazil being 16 months old is able to see people even the way, literally physically the way that Joshua walks when he is in a classroom. The way that he dresses, never once, maybe there was on a Friday, have I ever seen him go to work looking slovenly? It was something to look forward to that young black men can say, wow, Mr. King looks like that. I want to dress like that. Mm. You know, and well, those are these things that need to be, I'm sorry, but you are going to be on the ballot. Don't Syracuse <laughs> can lose you, but also understand, okay, we are in a 2021 election. We mm. have to show up and we have to, even if we have to write you in, we have to have your name on there because you are the most qualified, but you truly are the one that is walking that, even in your physical walk, mm. even in your posture, you exude who I want my sons to grow up to be. Well, Raina, I'm, I'm exceptionally humbled by that. I, I also want to put in a little disclaimer, if I can, Samantha. This in, in no way is intended to be about me. I, I want that to be clear. The, the intentions behind me running were never about me to begin with. Whilst I'm humbled and honored that my phone hasn't stopped it and people are concerned and what do you need and how do we make sure we get you on the ballot? At this point, you know, I the only way that my name will appear is if the Working Families Party uh, decides that I am the designation for their party. Um, that has not come in yet. And, and I want this disclaimer to be, you know, again, like wrap us back around to what we really should be talking about, which is not who's more qualified. I mean, I think if we go point for point, in my opinion, there's not anybody who can touch it. But um, you know, I do understand uh, some of the motivation behind the choices in which, you know, are made when it's time to designate somebody. 
Um, I do recognize that my values and my views are quite progressive and perhaps too progressive for our current, you know, times, right? Uh, you spoke earlier about unprecedented times. Well, one of the things that I like us to, to be reminded and you alluded to earlier is that uh, what we've experienced since March, 2020 is only the residuals of issues that already existed. Right. And so because we have constantly avoided and missed the mark with things like DEI, diversity, equity and inclusion, because our, 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 our representation was not number one and, and people have been missing from the conversation and missing from the decision making process for so long. We're talking about hundreds of years of, of systemic in, in, inequality, inequities right, all, all, all over the place. So, so I, I want to take this moment to segue a little bit, Sam. I, I know you have some more specific questions, but I want to circle back to what you know Samantha's purpose is uh, and Parents for Public Schools, what their their purpose of Fireside Chat Fridays is, and is really again to to support this idea that the community needs to be engaged, educated, and empowered. So I want to talk about a couple of things. What is public education? We hear a lot about what is public, private, charter. We get, I had a lot of questions in that regard about my support for charter schools and, and do I support school choice? So I want to identify a few things uh, real quick if y'all indulge me for a second. Public education was conceived as a way to educate children in order to prepare them to be productive members of society. Learn how the goals and the role of the educator in the school improvement process have changed over time. It goes on to talk about competition. And I want to rest on that. The literal word competition is contained in our understanding of public education. And, and so immediately we're off course. How do we know that? Well, we can see that because it, it, it immediately in, in our understanding of what education is, one of the key words that jumps out is competition. We're asking our children to compete for crumbs. We, we are in yes. a city that is number one in the country in concentrated poverty among black and Latino children, where only three cents, three cents of every one of my tax dollars is spent to actually educate them. Right. And, and so we're asking them to compete for crumbs. And not only yes, are we're, we. We're in a situation that looks a lot like Hunger Games, where we have to mm. compete, compete against each other for limited resources. Meanwhile, Correct. there are other places that have more than they. Abundance. Than they want. Abundance. Yes. Let's 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 talk about that for a minute, Sam. Some of the facts and figures that we were running uh, uh, um, as you were getting ready for tonight really reflected that more than one third of the student population in Onondaga County attends the same school district. Thirty-four mm -hmm. percent of the students who reside in Onondaga County, that total is a little over sixty-two thousand kindergarten through twelfth grade students. 34% of them attend Syracuse City School District. Already, we're off kilter. We're, 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 uh, we, there is no way for 34% for uh, of all the students out of 39 school districts, we are surrounded by 38 other school districts, most of whom are in abundance, most of whom 
do not struggle to make sure that they have one-to-one -one technology because they can furnish it like that. But we have 34% of the students and over 60% of those students are impoverished. How can we possibly meet diversity, equity, and inclusion until we made sure that representation is paramount and the right people are sitting at the table making the decision for those people who are affected by those numbers? And everyone's affected. All 21,000 of the students and families in our district are affected by concentrated poverty, whether they are actually impoverished or not. Our wealthy neighbors should be exceptionally concerned about what's happening in this city right now because they can afford to send their children somewhere else because they recognize that our education is lackluster here in the city. They can afford to send their kids to Christian Brothers Academy, Faith Heritage, or anywhere because they can afford it. But I like to remind those, those wealthier families that you also pay taxes here. You pay taxes in a school district where we all recognize and refuse to really unpack the conversation about why our school district is one of the least performing school districts in the state of New York. Why is that? Yes. Why is that? And I challenge you all to, to consider some of what you don't know about education because the direction that we're going in, well, I hope you have a vivid imagination because that's what they're doing, reimagining. We're redefining. And that brings me to my, my question for the both of you. The systemic issues that have been plaguing the district for since before I got here and I've lived in the city for over 25 years now, what are some of the systemic issues that you're seeing? I know we've already, you've mentioned poverty. You've mentioned the, the, the trauma that comes with poverty being displaced. What are some of the other systemic issues that are gumming up the works of, in providing a robust public education? Rain? Oh, <laughs> that is a tough one. I'm going to yield it to you first. Okay. So I have... I have, and I think we alluded to this a little bit before. Um, traditionally, I asked our teachers to live in the school district. Mm. So I, to be very clear, and I, I can't vote for Josh because I vote in another district. I have several neighbors that move to the Syracuse or to the North Syracuse school district in order to get a better education for their, their students. So not having, and we talked about that earlier, a shared neighborhood is, is huge because you don't live in the neighborhood where you educate. And I'm not saying you can't live on DeWitt Street or you know some of the nicer neighborhoods, the Strathmore and Stolt neighborhoods and things like that because something happened. Is it me or? <laughs> no, it, 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 it's, it's us. It's this you can live in the, in the night streets, but you're not taking any time at all. You don't shop where the children shop. You don't um, live where they are. You don't experience the shoveling or lack of it or plowing that the students are experiencing. So there is no shared experience, one. Mm. I think a lot of the and it changes from, I don't want to say season to season, but you'll have an uprising of a certain idea of how things should be handled. We have certain 
schools that I think are way more successful because you have principals that are literally involved every day with their PTA. Mm. When, when kids had nothing in the beginning of this, when we were at lockdown and we couldn't get to stores, there was literally principals and that ignited their PTA and said, let's get out there, let's do this. That was unheard of in 1994. So much happened behind closed doors and I had one counselor, I can't even remember her last name, her, we called her Rini. She was at, at West Jenny, I mean, sorry, she was at um, Nottingham and she was amazing. But other than that, we weren't paying attention to anything. So there was all the things that happen in our community and none of it was being addressed. So we need to have in every classroom, in every principal, and then obviously to the commission and the school board, we need to have these people that are willing to do the groundwork. And yes, it is social work. That is my degree, I have a bachelor's in social work. And yes, it feels weird to ask people who are educating to do the same thing, but that's what we need so that we can start to quiet our minds to learn. We can't ignore it. We can't say this kid is having a bad day. Let's send them home. And at the end of the day, you've, they've been home four out of five days because we can spend them. We don't know what to do when they suspend them. The kids are sitting home for th these ridiculous amounts of time. And then we're going to homeschool them. None of that seems to work. And it's not going to get anywhere. And I know I just unpacked a whole bunch of stuff all at once. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I, and you've given me lots of ideas for, for upcoming shows mm -hmm. and <laughs> subsequent fireside chat Fridays. So thank you. You're, you're very welcome. But I would say the biggest thing is if you can't live where you work, that's big. I echo that. I think that certainly there are a number of ways in which we can draw our educators into our city. One of the things um, that I'll touch upon that echoes what you said, Rain, I really witnessed, you know, this summer um, and since March and when all of the students were sent back home, there's about two dozen, two dozen students that live on my one block, you know, that my two young men, my two young kings <clears throat> play with and engage with. Um, it, it became rather apparent really quick um, that a majority of those two dozen kids were unengaged, were unprepared, um, did not have the access to technology or, or internet. Food was a big issue, um, things that, that caused me to have to go uh, each day. Uh, Samantha certainly has, has helped facilitate some of that as well, but making sure that all 24 of them at minimum had one of the bags from school uh, with food uh, because that that's a huge, you know, when we're talking about some of the issues where we know that poverty is an issue. We know that access um, is an issue. Uh, Childcare, right? I'm a single parent. Um, so, so having to raise children uh, through this pandemic, having them at home seven days a week um, and, and, and really lacking support myself um, was another driving force behind the Academy of Excellence Incorporated. That, that was part of the similarity with a lot of, uh, of the families, the 17 different families who've been engaging with us consistently since March. Uh, so when we're talking about what are the issues that really prohibit 
uh, an equitable education, we, we have to, again, look at what's the purpose of education. I gave you a definition of what education is and what it isn't, right? Uh, the mere imparting of information is not education. That, that of course, uh, comes from James Baldwin, uh, a, a famous quote, um, a very under-recognized contributor in education. Um, but we have to talk about what's the purpose, right? What is the purpose of education? And as I use this, this comes from medium.com, they immediately identify four things, four implicit assumptions about the aims of public school or, or the aims of education in general. Three of those different things include social. So keep that in mind. Number one, they talk about academic achievement, social mobility, character mindset development, social cohesion, and social, social equality. So how do we achieve those things? If those are the four purposes of education, again, there's no way for us to accomplish that when we are already inundated with a disproportionate number of, uh, of the students, right? We, we know that, <laughs> we know several things, right? That, that many of those same, many of our faculty and staff do tend to live outside of the city in districts that are not struggling. So their children aren't impacted in the ways in which our children are, those of us who do live within the city and, and work within the city. It matters, right? I know that it matters from the 24 young people who were not my students. They might've come across me as a substitute a time or two, but I just happened to be the teacher that they knew lived in their neighborhood. So when it was time for lunch, they knew to come to my house. When it was time to ask a question about a math problem, even though I am not smarter than a fourth grader, they could still come to my house and, and, and we would work with them through the door, on the porch, whatever we needed to do in order to get them what it is that we need. We don't have access here. So if, to answer your question and circle back to, to Samantha, to your question, access right? We have all of the resources. We have dozens of organizations, just like the one that I'm the CEO of. You have national organizations like National Action Network, who had hundreds of computers as a solution to some of the issues with access. They still have some of those computers. And I know that there are young people out here who still need them. But we can't get them to them, and we need to build up our relationship with Syracuse City School District so that we can also be a part of what they're doing from the inside. Whether I would be sitting at the table or on the opposite side of the table, I have a stake in all of this, and I'm not going anywhere. Whether I'm sitting at that table or I'm sitting next to this fireplace, I'm still advocating for, for these students and their families. This is bigger than just the student. We are talking about decades and centuries for some of these bloodlines of consistent and constant trauma, mm -hmm. consistent and constant disconnect and disenfranchisement. We are consistently and constantly being marginalized every time the wrong person is sat down to make a choice for my life, for your life. So, so representation matters. Our differences matter. They need to be acknowledged, they need to be celebrated, and then we have to ensure as though it is our personal mission. It's very personal. 
Yeah, I've seen you be that neighborhood parent yelling out your window, like, what are you guys doing? Where are you exactly supposed to be right, right now? It, ta- it takes the village. I know you're not out there cutting up. It takes the village. Reminds, yeah. It reminded me of my neighborhood in Brooklyn when I was young. And the, par- the parents who lived on the front of the building, they would keep an eye on us while we were out there pa- playing. The parents who lived at the back of the building, they'd keep an eye on us when we were out there playing. You couldn't mm-hmm. get away with anything. You had to go like two blocks down. I think, again, it, it is the village. It's the village mentality. You know, we, we have a very small city. Geographically, we are small. Uh, 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 Population-wise, we are small. We can manage this if we work together. If we continue to operate over, uh, you know, people, over principle, principle being PLE, not PAL, <laughs> we have one of one of those uh, former principles as a candidate and, and, and as somebody who received the designation. I, I want to circle back, Sam, if you will, and indulge us in some of the uh, some of the, the the candidates. Let's talk about the candidates who did get. Designated, I know that you are working uh, to have each of them on yes. uh, Fireside Chat Friday. So who, yeah, what, basically talk anybody, to who's running, anybody who's running for office that will impact the city of Syracuse and education in Syracuse, we want to talk to you. So people running for school board, people running for county legislator, definitely the people who want to be mayor of the city, everybody needs to sit down and think carefully about how we are going to provide an appropriate public education for the students of the city of Syracuse. Mm-hmm. We've heard a so, lot of conversation from some of the candidates beyond the school board, right? Beyond mm-hmm. commissioner of education. It seems yeah. as though some of these conversations are continuing to be siloed and education becomes an issue for the commissioners of education to discuss when in fact is a is a communication that we all must have yes. at all of the levels because these things do fit in together maybe not seamlessly but 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 the the mayor's office does need to know what's going on mm-hmm. at SESD and, and that comes to accountability. It comes to the yes. level of transparency that we need to have in order to get us through what it is that not only are we facing currently, right? We just came off the heels of a huge social crisis in the ways uh, uh, of how uh, the transition from these these administrations with the presidency. Uh, we saw, you know, what, what occurred all summer long with the protests uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and how much Black lives matter and, and that Black students matter and Black teachers matter, uh, Black families matter, right? Um, again, we're taught to not celebrate the differences. We say that we're a diverse city. This is one of the, the, the most diverse cities I've ever lived in, um, in the ways uh, of really being able to, to see diversity, right? Or witness diversity. When we're talking about experiencing diversity, that becomes rather hard because we, we get pocketed, right? We're, we're, we're pocketed. Our, our refugee population is pocketed over on the north yes. side. Right. Uh, um, we, we've got a pocket of affluence in Sedgwick and a pocket of affluence in Strathmore. Um, but you turn any one of those corners and you're straight in the hood. And that's problematic. Yes. This is gentrification um, happening repeatedly. It's, it's funny that you talk about Syracuse being diverse because I'm a first generation immigrant who grew up in New York City. Mm. <laughs> this is the most segregated place I have ever lived. The segregation is so deeply ingrained that. 
um, a little while ago, I was going to the neighborhood grocery store and I saw another black person. I'm like, oh, Shocking. I forgot other people live here, other black people live here. And that that definitely has an impact on education when we don't live next to each other, we don't interact with each other, Correct. and we don't have that shared experience. When I was in junior high school, there were kids from in my classroom from Uganda, from Haiti, from several different places in Asia, all over the Caribbean and the West Indies. I was the one from Barbados. It was an international class. Every classroom was an international classroom for me. And every neighborhood was a, was an international neighborhood. And so the, living in Syracuse, it's like, Ah, it's hard. When I first came here for college, it was like, what is this? Well, it's I, very, I'm, go oh, ahead. No, go it's, ahead, it's man, because I know what you're about to look at the history of Syracuse and how we became that. I mean, mm. public housing and the story of 81 being built and how we mm. built a wall. A literal lack wall. Lack of better words. That Literally. Made a whole area be of poverty and then generations got stuck mm -hmm. and get out in that area and shame on Syracuse for doing some of those things. I mean, we have some beautiful, great history of, you know, the neighborhoods when I lived on the north side up near Butternut and Grant, it was, there was still some older Italians. And I mean, they were like 90, but they were that, that, that foothold that was there and you know why were they there we we put them there for lack of better words maybe it was 50 100 years ago but we we did this um we built certain communities when carrier and um chrysler mm -hmm. other communities crucible chrysler up. crucible all yes. of our industry yeah yeah um but then half of those industries are now gone uh, they, most of them are. They, yeah. Gosh, I did not know what a commissioner of education did. And I did not know until you came along that it was an elected position. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Shame mm -hmm. on me for not knowing that I and my friends and my most of my friends are Syracuse City residents, that we can come to the table and make that choice and pick yes. something who's going to serve our needs and the needs of our children no matter what color we are now that's why we're doing this because people the don't know yes this is why we're doing this because people don't know mm -hmm. that they have that option people don't know that they have that power so mm -hmm. we want families to know that yes, you can pick, the power is yours, the responsibility is yours, you get to choose. Mm -hmm. And then give them the tools so they, so they can choose who they think best represents their interests. Now, just a question, does anybody here remember what the definition of insanity is? Yeah, <laughs> trying the same thing over and over again um, and yeah. expecting different results. And that is, that is something else that we need to be mindful of that are are we are we um really pushing for advancement and change or are we just trying to change the guards because if you're just trying to change the guards that that's easy that's the easy part you 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 can place anybody in any role 
uh, and effectively teach them, train them, what have you. Our, our community struggles with several things. You said shame on me for not knowing, but I say shame on all of us. Shame on our, our public education system for not instilling these things as a core value in what we're trying to, to, to educate our young people on. Shame on our public education system, right? For making our children compete for crimes. When we're talking about what is the role, what's the role? We talked about the definition. We talked about the definition of uh, education. We talked about the purpose of education, but the role, the role of education, that, that's, that's important because the role of education mean, is, is a means of socializing individuals and to keep society smoothing and remain stable. That is the role of public education. And we are not following the role. We're not meeting any of these standards as long as we continue to operate business as usual. My child does not have a price tag attached to it and neither, neither, neither do, does yours. We have to uh, work towards some of the systemic change in order to keep up with the advancements, right? Uh, that we're having socially. We have created a sanctuary city, but we have Samantha who, who, who acknowledges the segregation. We, yeah. we do have a rich history like you, you acknowledged, Raina, and you spoke to. We have a severely rich history here in Syracuse, particularly among some of the Black community that was in fact divided by a literal physical barrier on top of all of the systemic and social barriers that we face as people of color. Had that highway never gone into the 15th Ward, that particular community would have been wealthy, just like Tulsa, Oklahoma, just like Black Wall Street. And we can do that again right here in Syracuse. We can recreate because we don't need to, to reimagine anything. The blueprint is already here. But the way in which we're executing the blueprint and who is executing the blueprint matters just as much as the color of my skin or the fact that I identify as a man with a gay experience, just as much as I identify as being a single parent. Those details, those qualifiers have consistently disqualified me systemically, disqualified me socially. I'm anointed, appointed, and appointed. I'm not going anywhere. And I'm glad that this- I'm not I going. You were going to say you were annoying. <laughs> no, I, I might be a little bit annoying, and that—that's the whole thing. That most messengers are right mm -hmm. when when you receive a message is generally not anything you were prepared to receive, and, and, and our our community really needs to wake up um, and, and realize and recognize that every single one of the candidates that's pre pre presented to you has been handpicked for you before they were presented to you every single one, including me. That Samantha? <laughs> wow, that is, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> it, it, it it's creepy, but it's honest. It's transparent yes. and it's genuine. And that's all I've ever been. That's the consistency that you will always get from me. You see that in the office, Samantha, you've had plenty of opportunity to work with me directly. You know, Rain, we partner with the work that you do. I commend hugely the work that you are doing uh, through foster care. You, I get goosebumps thinking about it because you, I did not realize just how disproportionate, uh, disproportionately affected 
Mm. Black people yep. are in the foster care yep. system. I had no idea of this, and I appreciate you for 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 bringing that not only tonight but to our attention prior uh, to tonight. Those are policy things that we will we will look at and address here at the Academy of Excellence. I think that these statistics are staggering, and if you read the fact that you have, I just rattled off statistics uh, last week when when we were we were celebrating Black HIV Awareness Week here in Onondaga County. The same is almost the same exact figures. We make up 13, 14% of the, pop, the total population, but we make up more than half of the HIV infections. We make up more than half uh, 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 of children in the foster care system. More than half of the impoverished children in our city are Black. This is systemic. This is intentional. And until people wake up and, and, and start paying attention to the people who, who are annoying, who are liabilities, who, 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 who uh, are aggressive, or whatever else it is that you say about people like me, we're the best type of people to have right there because we're going to go hard. I'm not sure that there's always an intentionality behind these systemic issues, but huh? there's definitely an element of neglect and not thinking through the impact that these things have on the pe on people's lives that's that's a topic for another show it but, is um, how can we care how can we care about those things I, I'll, I'll make one last statement i'm joshua michael king formerly a candidate for syracuse syracuse City School District Commissioner of Education. Uh, I, I thank you, Samantha, and Parents for Public School Syracuse for having me on tonight as your special guest co-host. Rain, I am floored and always in awe uh, of, of what you bringing to the table in the ways of information and, and how, how pivotal uh, uh, that is. I, I wanna say, you know, as we continue to unpack some of these really difficult uh, conversations, we really are hoping to to engage you, right? Uh, Samantha, you mentioned about um, the other candidate. This is a call to action. If you are who you say you are and you're gonna do what you say you're gonna do, then I invite all of the officials who are currently elected. We actually request uh, that all of the candidates who, who, who are running in 2021 find themselves in this particular seat as a special guest and, and unpacking some of these conversations that Parents for Public School Syracuse has. I, I could not encourage that more. These conversations should be had wildly and regularly, and they must be had in multiple circles, not just the circles that we are comfortable with. We got to get uncomfortable because what's coming down the pipe systemically, I'm not sure any of you are ready for or fully understand. Well, thank you, Josh, for being for being here and for sharing your, you. your thoughts and your insights. Rain, I want to say to you that my late sister, Sanchia Calendar, who I named Sanchia A. Calendar, Inc., after, also worked with youth in the foster care system. She worked with the hard-to-place kids, mm. the ones who've been in and out of care for most of their lives. That's where I get my, my passion. That's part of where I get my passion for mental health this is following in her footsteps to make sure that people understand how important mental health is you you remind me you remind me of her your passion reminds me of her and i want to say thank you for the work that you do for youth in foster care and for the students in foster care in in yeah. the Syracuse city school district
I am just honored that I could sit at the table and have this conversation. And you're very, very welcome. If I can just have a two minute plug, we do have a need for foster parents in all neighborhoods, all colors, all creeds. So um, if you are interested in becoming a foster parent, you can reach me on my Facebook, Rain Fitzgerald, or at our office, um, 315-454-4700. But I'm the only person pretty much in Facebook that's named Rain Fitzgerald. So reach out <laughs> and we can have a conversation about how to make that happen. But there is a need. And we say that there are, um, there are no unwanted children. They are, they're just unfound homes. And that is my job every day is to find those homes that will connect and reach and hopefully even represent, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little worked up too. Um, and hopefully even represent the children that are out there. Because if I do my job well, then I'll put an end to foster care. Before my, sis, before my sister died, one of her, she, she was celebrating the fact that she'd found a forever home for one of her kiddos. She always called them her kiddos. And that she was celebrating that. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> oh, I I'm get getting it. a little emotional myself as mm -hmm. I, yeah. well, heck, since we're talking about it, I'm going to be a father soon, a foster father. That's right. So, Ren, we appreciate the work that you're doing to uh, open homes like my own to, to young people that need them. And I will continue to to fight for, for students and their families and, and, and make sure that you know, families are, are built. Um, Y'all are my family. I, I, you don't always get to be uh, blood related. Sometimes you get to choose your family. Uh, and I'm glad to have chosen both of you and, and that you, you've chosen me and that Rain, you create this amazing platform for people like me mm -hmm. who have a, have a heart to open their homes to, to, to young people. So, you know, my brothers are going to have to slide in because two more are coming because again there there is such a need that I just I, I had no idea that that there was such a huge need still in 2021 for young people in homes um and so again right now, I have to congratulate you on the work that you're doing commend you for not only just doing the work but taking it further and making sure that you are acknowledging the many ways in which the work you do connects, you know, through through this huge network of programs and services, including the Academy of Excellence Incorporated. So one more time, where can people get in touch with you for foster care? Ray? They can reach me here on Facebook. My work cell is 315-679-3626. And our office is um, 315 Four five four forty seven hundred. I am the home finder for the Syracuse area. We also um, I cover all the way up to Jefferson County, and my coworker call, um, covers all the way out to Herkimer County. So if you're watching this and you're not in the Syracuse area, please can't stop you from calling. And even if you're in Texas, I can get you to where you need to go. But that would be an awesome dream that sure somebody's watching your... in Texas and get <laughs> excellence from Joshua Michael King. Yeah. That's I'll right. Sure Thank you. Share your contact information on our Facebook pages. And I want to thank you for, for being part of this conversation. And I want to thank our audience for joining in live on Facebook. And straightindyradio.com. And straightindyradio.com. That's right. <laughs> this is Fireside, this is Fireside Chat Fridays. We'll be back again next week. 
to talk about education. We are sponsored by Parents for Public Schools. Syracuse, check us out on Facebook. Submit your any questions you want to ask of our guests, any topics you want us to discuss. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us and see you again next week.